2: Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a slightly delayed edition of Soccer Morning right here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Sometimes sometimes vehicles do not cooperate. Sometimes machinery breaks down on you. That's not me. I was here. I was ready to go. And I don't blame him. Producer Trevor (laughs) had car trouble this morning. He had uh, he he couldn't get to where he was going or back from where he was. So uh, we are starting late today. It means a truncated version of soccer morning, but it should be okay. We're going to talk to our friend Sam Kelly in just a couple of minutes here. So stay tuned for that. Let's run through the headlines on a Thursday morning. Last night, Copa Libertadores final first leg: Grace and River Plate played to a goalless draw in Mexico. A little bit unfortunate for Tigres. I'd like to take a lead back to Argentina if they're going to become the first Mexican side to lift the Copa Libertadores trophy. Uh, we'll talk to Sam Kelly about how things look for River Plate on the other side. Uh, they are a club with a massive history, but have, they have not won this title in 19 years. In Major League Soccer exhibitions last night, the uh, MLS, MLS All-Stars beat Tottenham Hotspur, Two one at Dick Sporting Goods Park in Commerce City, Colorado. Kaká scored a penalty. Uh, David Villa scored a very nice goal from a Kaká assist. Um, who else scored? Oh, Harry Kane scored for Tottenham Hotspur. A good goal from him. Completely abused Omar Gonzalez in a one v one situation. Uh, we had Brad Friedel yelling at us on the uh, on the Fox Soccer, the Fox Sports feed. Uh, what else did we have in that game? Clint Dempsey attempted a rabona. He had a fantastic ball from Kaka that Jossie artist wasted. I'm trying to think what else was entertaining. I think it's time to change the format. At halftime of that game, Don Garber did address the issue of the format and said that they would have a process to blah, blah, something, review, and maybe change. I don't know. Don Garber also, in response to a a question from Alexi Lawless, a question that Alexi uh, Lawless asked, with a lot of vim and vigor and uh and intent, said that MLS Soccer, uh, sorry, MLS and Soccer United Marketing did everything above board. We're not part of the CONCACAF, FIFA scandal, etc. and so forth. Something about corruption. Uh, Don Garber said, no, absolutely not. We were not. Or he said 100,000%. He was sure that Soccer United Marketing and everything did, uh, and those companies did everything above board. At which point, everybody on the, Panel, including Stu Holden and Eric Winaldo, moved on and said that was good enough. The LA Galaxy have parted ways with goalkeeper Jaime Pinedo. Jaime Pinedo said something to the effect of uh, his contract not being guaranteed and not having some stability with the possibility of being traded or something to that effect. Essentially, he said that the contract he had with the LA Galaxy did not provide his family with enough stability, so he is out. As LA Galaxy goalkeeper, the rumor is the Galaxy are working on a trade with the Orlando with Orlando City Soccer Club to bring Donovan Ricketts back to LA. Is Donovan Ricketts good enough to help LA to a second consecutive title? I'm not so sure about that. So South Korea's Chung Mong Jun, former FIFA vice president, has criticized uh, uh, Michelle Platini as a product of the system. Uh, Chung Mong Jun said. Uh, that uh, it is time FIFA had a non-European, had non-European leadership. FIFA became a closed organization for Sepp uh, Sep Blatter, his associates, and his cronies, and I want to change that because, of course, Chung, uh, Chung Mong Jun is running for FIFA president. He's an industrialist, major shareholder in Hyundai. So he is now running for FIFA president alongside Michelle Platini, and I'm expecting Prince Ali bin Al-Hussein as well. A couple of MLS signings as the window goes along here. Philadelphia has signed Swiss midfielder Tranquillo Barnetta, while Orlando has added David uh, Mateos, formerly formerly a Real Madrid Academy product, but last in Hungary, 28 years old, and Adrian Vinter, 29, last of Luzerne in Switzerland. So a couple of uh, players helping out those Eastern Conference teams coming in in the window with an opportunity perhaps to make a difference uh, as those clubs look to establish themselves for a playoff run in 2015. And lastly here, the Tampa Bay Rowdies have signed former USU 20 and number 1 overall MLS draft pick Omar Salgado on loan from Tigres, another opportunity for Thomas Rongan to take a player of significant ability but uh, inconsistency and perhaps reclaim... Help them reclaim some of those things. Remember, Salgado was the number one overall draft pick of the Vancouver Whitecaps uh, back in 2011. Uh, this is after he left Chivas Guadalajara, where he was in their youth uh, ranks. Once he decided to play for the United States of America, Chivas decided they didn't want him anymore as per their policy of Solos Mexicanos. He signed with Major League Soccer. He was drafted number one overall by Vancouver. It didn't he had some injuries, fractured his foot. Uh then it just didn't work out. He was traded to NYCFC and then he was purchased by T-Grace. This is all how this all happened at the end of 2014. Uh and now he is on his way to Tampa to do, to be part of uh Thomas Rongen's project there in Florida and obviously uh Tampa Bay also has Freddie, you do in the mix. Freddie, who set up a goal this weekend, although Tampa Bay has not been playing overly well in NESL. Can Salgado get back on top? We'll find out. All right, let's uh, let's step aside here for a couple of minutes. When we come back, we will grab Sam Kelly, and talk a little South American footy with Sam, the Copa Libertadores final, and more. Don't go anywhere. It's Soccer Morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com
2: you Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. We're back on Soccer Morning on a
1: Thursday. Again, apologize for our late start, but we will dive in right here with uh, talk about some South South American topics with our friend Sam Kelly who joins us. You can follow him on Twitter. It's H-E-G-S underscore com. Last time I checked, I believe it's still that. Sam, how are you? It is, Jackson. How are you? I'm very well, folks. I'm, I'm well. It's, um, it, it, we, we grabbed you here with an opportunity to talk about a couple of different topics and, and range a little bit. Uh, let's start with the Copa Libertadores final. You got a Mexican side in that final Tigres up against uh, a storied Argentine side, River Plate. Now, obviously, this is a big deal for Mexican football. In fact, they've gone so far as other clubs within Mexico are supporting Tigres in their bid to become the first Mexican team to win this title. Firstly, uh, last night in Mexico, uh, any surprises at all?
3: i was slightly surprised by the, um, the the tweets from a lot of other clubs in Mexico supporting Tigres. <laughs> uh, very peculiar behavior, for, in, in my opinion, but uh, there you go. I suppose it takes all sorts. Um, on the match itself, I don't think there were very many surprises. It, it was expected to be very tight, not very much in it. These teams, of course, met twice during the group stage as well, um, and drew both of those matches. And both of them really have, have grown into the competition since then. Obviously, Tigres finished top of that group with a pretty impressive performance. River scraped through by the skin of their teeth, thanks in part to a Tigres victory against uh, Juan Alrich of Peru in, in the final group match. Um, and since then, River have really grown into the competition. They They, they clearly... Looking at, uh, the Copa Sudamericana last year as well, Marcelo Gachalados River really seemed to have a, a knack for knockout football. Um, given that away goals, of course, don't count extra in the final, I don't think that River will be too disappointed with, with the result as it was, particularly, um, given that for the, a lot of the, the second half, they seem to be really struggling with the, I'm assuming with the heat, um, because they didn't get fought very much at all in the second half, mm-hmm. um, and and seemed to be hanging on a little bit.
1: Uh, now, in the return leg, um, obviously an advantage for for River Plate, and and that's certainly a, whether or not they they managed to to deal with the environment as well as they should have. It was clearly uh, to their benefit to to leave with the. With a goalless draw, or uh, to set this up for the second leg, and so when you uh, when when we get back to Argentina, what are the expectations there? Expect River Plate to push their advantage, or is this going to be another tight one? That you know, are we going to conceivably see this go to extra time and penalties?
3: Um, i I would expect River to get to 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 try and get four more. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with the two injuries that they picked up last night. Tabaré Yudas. Um, and Rodrigo Mora, the two Uruguayans, both had to be substituted at half time. The Udes, I think, is, it, we didn't have very much, um, detail by the time I went to bed last night. And as far as I've found just before coming on air, there's there's not been too much more reported yet. But I think the Udes injury is, is thought to be more serious. Mora might very well be fit for the second leg. Um, but that's going to trigger a bit of a rethink for Marcelo Gachado, also, Right back Gabriel Mercado got booked yesterday and therefore is suspended for the second leg. Um, his third bookie at the knockout stage. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how River re- rejig the team, but I would expect them to, 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 be a little more adventurous in their outlook. And of course, it's going to be interesting to see as well whether Tigres remain as adventurous in their outlook when they're away from home because they, they caused River some problems, particularly Jurgen Dam going down the right hand side mm-hmm. of, of, tigress right wing um caused river some problems at the back um but away from home it's going to be interesting to see whether they they go forward as much i would still expect it to be very tight these are two very evenly matched sides who also know each other very well by this point um and so i don't think there's going to be very much in it it wouldn't surprise me at all if it ends up going to penalties
1: now uh, for for river plate i mean this is a club that's gone uh, through some serious ups and downs over the last couple of years uh, you, as you mentioned, scrape by in the in the group stage to get to this point. Uh, maybe maybe tournament favorites, but it took a while for them to to get going well enough to to be here in the final. What does this uh, What does this mean for the club? I mean, I've certainly seen excuse <clears throat> my voice going out. I've certainly seen some comments about uh you know uh the the struggles and and when uh when the manager arrived, it was about relegation. Now it's about winning a, a another Copa Libertadores title.
3: Well, when Gashardo arrived, it was, it was just one year ago. Um, and so relegation had already been, uh, sort of banished by that point. Sure, uh, sure but, but I mean, the specter,
1: the specter of, of relegation was still hanging over the club, I imagine, after coming back up.
3: Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, and particularly when, when the current board of directors were voted in, that was just, uh, three, two and a half years ago, I think, two, two years ago. Um, and River had come back up by that point, but they hadn't, um, won any trophies and that's what river Plate are about R- R- river plate are the most successful sides domestically in argentine football they've won more league titles than than anybody else in the country um and they needed to uh t- to get back on on the winning track the whole um slogan that rodolfo donofrio the current river president ran on during his election campaign with the club's members was River are going to return to being River? Um, and the, the year after they got voted in under Ramon Diaz, they, they claimed the league title. Diaz then stepped down after a disagreement with, with Donofrio. Um, Angachaldo was immediately brought in and of course claimed last year's Copa Sudamericana and has now got River into their first Copa Libertadores in, uh, final in, in 19 years. Whilst also, Maintaining a decent league title challenge because River are currently, um, off the top of my head, I think it's two points off the top of the league in, in Argentina. Um, so all of a sudden there's a much better feeling about the club and it seems really strange to think that it's only three years ago that they won promotion back to the first division. Um, obviously if they can lift the copper, then, then, then that's the sort of the ideal way of, of banishing this ghost. But the idea that they might conceivably manage um, the Copa Libertadores under league title in the same year, and right after winning the Sudamericana as well, there are not very many sides, um, who have won. There are sides, but there aren't very many of them who, who, who've won back to back South American trophies. Um, it, it would be a, a fantastic achievement.
1: Uh, it's, it's been a long time since they, they won this title, but Argentine, uh, the Argentine sides have, have done well. The last decade or so, as you would expect, I mean, one of the powers of, of South America. I guess San, San Lorenzo was last year's last year's winner, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh And just for anybody, uh, any of the Americans out there who uh, pay attention to MLS, current manager of River Plate is Marcelo Gallardo, who had a, a brief stint at DC United. I just remember one very good goal, Sam. Beyond that, not a lot of uh, impact there, but. Um speaking of of Argentina and uh, and MLS we do have a, a a story that the New York Red Bulls are signing um a player from San Lorenzo uh Gonzalo Veron what 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 do you know about this player and and what does um what does his signing with with MLS mean at this point
3: He has had a, a bit of this year off I think he, he had a, an injury I'm not sure um Why? But I I feel like I've seen a bit less of him this year than I did last year. Um, But he's a decent young player. He's 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 quick and he likes to to find space in wide areas. Um, And he should. I mean, it's difficult to. Whenever an Argentine gets gets signed um, by an MLS club, it's always difficult to to say how well they're going to do because we don't get MLS televised here, apart from the they occasionally show the, the, the playoff final. Sure. Um, and, and that's the only chance that I get to see, to see any of the football up there. So I'm, I'm a bit hazy on the exact level, but, um, looking at some of the other players who've, who've gone up to MLS recently and who I hear, um, are doing well in the States, I would imagine that Veron's going to be a good signing. Um, he is, as I say, relatively quick and, and, and decent out wide. um, and, and and works well as part of the front three, so I, I would think that he's going to be um, that, that he's going to do quite well.
1: So we'll see how, what that means the Red Bulls are uh, one of those sides there that that has corporate backing and a lot of money, and certainly within the MLS context, context has made splashes before. Thierry Henry has been at that club, uh, but they have taken a different tact and, and brought in some some younger players, some more budget minded players. Although they did sign Sean Wright Phillips recently, so we'll see how that goes. Um, as we, as we wrap up here, the the last thing I wanted to talk about with you, Sam, briefly is uh, there's news out that the comma bowl is going to take some steps to try to, uh, co- combat some of the corruption that's been rampant in the confederation for years and years and years. They published anti-corruption measures yesterday. They're going to bring in uh, an independent auditor. They're going to publish the salaries of the president, et etc. et cetera. rather than sort of go into all this new stuff, because I'm not sure that neither, either one of us is, uh, is an expert on this. Just from your, from what you know and and what we can, uh, re, you know, what we know from the from the past, where have the the issues for Carnival come from? I mean, it's not as though they're unique in world football with corruption, but it seems as though some of the leaders of Carnival have been specifically bra, uh, you know, uh, noticeably brazen about the way they've gone about this.
3: I think one thing that's possibly worth bearing in mind, without wanting to go into uh, too much national stereotyping, is that a lot of these guys. Who are the current administrators of football in Conmebol? And also, you know, the current administrators of uh, general life things in South America um, are people who grew up under dictatorships, pe- people who grew up under um, virtual police states, and, you know, people who generally just grew up when authority, a lot of the time, um, was operating with impunity. Um, nobody trusts. Nobody in this continent really trusts authority figures, you know. To this day, nobody's expecting them to to act like angels, and, and I, I won't say that nobody expects them to um, uh, to, to operate on a high, to higher standards than they do, because of course some people do. But people, uh, sort of the, the, the people who wish that they would, often feel like they're fighting a losing battle anyway. Um, right. And so, to an extent, I wonder whether these people just think that that, that actually it's all right, that that, it, that it's acceptable. When I say these people, I mean the the head people at Comerbell. Sure. Come sure. Um, so I, I wonder whether there's there's some of that in it. But also, this is something that we've seen across world football governing bodies. Obviously, CONCACAF were heavily um involved in in, yes. in the recent FIFA corruption yeah, scandals absolutely. as well. I'm not convinced, uh, we, we heard news yesterday that Michel Platini is, is confirming that he's standing and that the, uh, English FA have, have offered their support to him. I mean, I'm not convinced that the English, that, that the English FA are, are showing fantastic moral standards there because they are against Blatter. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, I think Platini is a bit of a mini Blatter from what we've seen of his rise in UEFA. Um, and so I think it's, it's something that's endemic to football administration across the world, but there's, um, some kind of peculiar mix of brazenness and, um, and almost having been bred for the role, um, coming through in, in the top guys in Conmebol. And I also wonder whether it's because there are only 10 associations and therefore there are, you know, relatively few voices in there and relatively few people wanting to stand up and say, hang on a second, should we just maybe take our hands out of the, the kitty money for, for, for two minutes or something? Um, it's it's obviously a whole mix of things and the the book of history of corruption in conmebol would be a very thick one and i suspect a very interesting one to read yeah
1: it it's something that uh, again all of these uh all of these confederations and and a lot of the 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 associ- uh, the um associations themselves have to deal with uh they have to figure out how to uh to combat these issues and uh, with an entrenched leadership that's often very uh, very difficult to uh, to get out of there, Sam Kelly, H-E-G-S underscore com on Twitter, Hashtag El Siempre, and the uh, Hand of Pod. Fantastic stuff covering Argentine and South American football. And, and Sam, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much.
3: Thanks for having me, Jason. Talk to you
1: soon. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll open the phone lines for a little while. Talk to you on a Thursday at Soccer Morning, com. Stay right there.
2: soccer morning on world soccer talk with jason davis here we are back on soccer
1: morning on a thursday taking your phone calls 646-832-3909 i forgot see damn it so what happens here at soccer morning just to pull back the curtain for for a second as we uh, wait for your phone calls as you light up the phone lines by the way Call the new number, not the old number. Say that one once. 646-832-3909. New number, not the old number. That's the number. Uh, pulling back the curtain a little bit. After the show, we do this show on several different places and release it in several different places on SoundCloud, at backheel.com, uh, iTunes, obviously that kind of stuff. But it's also on video at, at YouTube. And the way YouTube works is you... Post your video, and then it determines the, the system, the algorithm, whatever. YouTube decides if it's a, a, a video that can have ads and whatever. Well, it turns out that every time I play that Modest Mouth song, lamp Shades on Fire, we are not allowed to have this, this video of this show have ads in Germany. Is that how it works? Or do they just block the whole thing? They probably blocked the whole thing, right? So, for some reason, <laughs> for some reason, we get blocked in Germany every time I play Lampshades on Fire. And I always forget not to play Lampshades on Fire because I'm sure there's like five people in Germany. Okay. A guy, there, there's probably one guy in Germany who's like, I very much like this this soccer morning. I can't do a German accent. <laughs> I can even try.
2: And <laughs> you know, want to talk That's, about the MLS All-Star game.
1: Oh, did I just I just walked myself into a game a call being screened. I apologize for that. I'm going to return that to to the screening room. My my apologies. We'll get to that call here in just a uh, just a bit or maybe not. Uh 646-832-3909. That's my fault. I apologize for that. We're all off today. Jerry, Trevor's car breaks down and my rhythm is completely destroyed. That's where we're at. We want to talk about the All Star Game. Does anybody want to talk about the All Star Game? Two one to the MLS All Stars over Tottenham Hotspur last night. And actually, no, the game itself wasn't overly entertaining. It wasn't a whole lot. It had a couple of of good moments. Again, Harry Kane's goal was very good. David Villa's goal was was a pretty good goal created by uh, Kaká. Yeah, um, Dempsey trying some stuff. I'm always down for Clint Dempsey trying some stuff. Uh, what else? Don Garber at halftime. Don Garber at halftime saying that the All-Star Game format is something that they'll review. Maybe it's time to go back to East versus West, but we know that East versus West is probably less of a moneymaker for the league than bringing in. Even if they're paying Spurs, I don't know. What's the fee for Spurs, you think? 650 k something in that range. I and mean, what is Spurs right cuz Barcelona costs millions to bring in and play in a friendly. Like they you have to pay Barcelona a couple million bucks to get them to show up. Stephen Goff has been tracking this stuff for years. Spurs can't be more than like a 650k. That's what I'm going to go with. So you're you have that expense right off the top, but you are drawing in again, the reason the All-Star games the game exists at this point is not To showcase the talent in the league. Not just that. At least not the best performing talent. It's to showcase the names in the league. Who generally speaking are talented players. And it's also to. Throw in that foreign club. To maybe grab some of those people. Who are fans of that team. Or are inclined to that sort of product. That's where we are with the all-star game. The other thing that Don Garber. Addressed last night was. As I mentioned at the top of the show the uh, the suggestion or the possibility that MLS and SUM was pulled down or involved or dirty as part of the CONCACAF corruption scandal, the FIFA corruption scandal, and Don Garber saying 105,000 million percent that they were clean. And that was enough for the panel. I mean, I give Lexi credit for asking the question, but for Holden and to just go, okay, that's good was kind of odd. It was an odd look. Washington on Twitter, you have many servicemen in Germany who listen, watch you on YouTube. Yeah, okay. Sure, maybe, possibly. They're all out there. Yeah, they're all out there in Germany. Ramstein Air Force Base, which I think I could have ended up going to when I was a kid. Never did. Anyway, Joseph on Twitter, phone phone call not going through. MLS needs to end the All-Star game. Lose, lose for the team. Win is expected. Loss is ridiculed. Why not Liga MX versus MLS All-Stars? That one would be fun for me and that's been brought up a bunch of times. I would have I would like that. Is it a money maker? Is it a marketing tool for either one of those leagues? Is it is it worth it for Liga MX? Who by the way, their season is underway. The Apertura has started. So you would have to either delay the start of the season, have certain players away from their teams. I mean there's there's a lot of, of factors here. That, I mean, I guess you could have you could push the season back a week, but the Apertura is underway. I'm reading here, article by my colleague Cesar Hernandez over at, at ESPN FC. Morelia and Pumas early risers in the power rankings uh, of Liga MX in the Apertura. Let's see this. Uh, this tweet says, Lingabao. Don Garber had no credibility, and I wish Alexi would have pushed it more. He was probably told not to ask in the first place. I actually doubt very seriously that he was told not to ask. I doubt very seriously that the league directed anything in that area. As for Garber's credibility, that's in the eye of the beholder. I'm not sure what... uh, I'm not sure why you would necessarily question Don Garber's credibility, unless you're just making a bunch of assumptions and jumping to conspiracy theory conclusions which hey that's I, I guess okay sure not a lot of evidence there i don't again i don't know why garber's credibility be in question although you can't expect him to answer the question any other way on national television so you should take it with a grain of salt but you shouldn't i don't know if he's necessarily assume that he's lying probably not fair to him certainly not fair to him Speaking of MLS, if you guys uh, did not have not seen the Sports Illustrated long form piece on the launch of MLS in the first year of the league back in nineteen ninety six, uh, a bunch of people worked on that piece, including Grant Wahl, Brian Strauss, uh, Alexander Abnos. You should go and read it. It's pretty amazing. It's got some incredible stories uh, about how these how unprofessional, <clears throat> excuse me, how unprofessional the league was. At the beginning, Alexi talks about having a band and playing the night before the game with his band in a club somewhere. They released an album that year. Winalda talks about uh, a guy, a drunk guy in the stands after a game who who uh, compared him to George Best. So Winalda brings him into the locker room to hang out with him. And uh, the guy proceeds to insult Laurie Calloway, head coach of the San Jose Clash at the time. <laughs> uh they talk about the uh, the uniforms the logos the names the mutant bat of the Tampa Bay mutiny apparently the connection was mutiny and mutant that's that's incredible i i i did not know that wrinkle that the the designers of the 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 nike designers had <laughs> decided that the word mutant and mutiny, mutiny were somehow connected, even though they're not by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> and, <laughs> and created a mutant bat for, uh, for the mutiny. The one, the one appearance of Thomas Rangan in, uh, in the story. Wow. Uh, there's lots of stuff. In fact, here's a, here's a, here's a piece that just uh, went up yesterday that's called uh, Outtakes, which I'm sure is fantastic. Brian Strauss has a bunch of stuff that didn't make it into the story. There's (laughs) There's the story of Roberto Donadoni talking about what he was eating versus what the rest of the players were eating, saying uh, that's why you're a Volkswagen, that's why I'm a Ferrari. That's that's amazing stuff. Uh, Very enjoyable stuff. Last call for phone calls here on a Thursday. Again, a truncated episode. Of the program, apologize for that. Car trouble gets in the way. six four six eight three two three nine zero nine. 832 3909 Alexi Lawless confirming on Twitter that he has never been told uh, what he can or cannot ask Don Carver. Which, uh, again, confer- confirmation there. Um, Washington says he likes the current All-Star format. Just wish it wouldn't always be a European team. Sometimes uh, South American side would be good. Yeah, you can mix it up a little bit. Uh, I don't know who would you bring up. Washington Boca Juniors, somebody from Brazil, maybe. Outside of those two teams, excuse me, outside of those two countries, Argentina, and Brazil. I'm not sure you get a lot for your a lot of bang for your buck. The the MLS All Stars have played one non-European team. And it was Chivas to Guadalajara in 2003, a game that ended up 3-1 to the MLS All-Stars. But you've had Fulham, Chelsea, Celtic, West Ham, Everton, Man U twice, Chelsea again, Roma, Bayern Munich, and Tottenham Hotspur. Donna says, forget the All-Star game, beef up the U.S. Open Cup with more money and better media coverage. Uh, Those things are not mutually exclusive, but yes, of course. The U.S. Open Cup needs to be beefed up. There's no doubt about that. Let's talk to our friend from Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup, Mr. Mark Fishkin is on the line. Hey, Mark, it's been a while. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you doing today? I'm a little off. You know, it's, you know, this seems like an easy gig, and I'm sure lots of people will trade places with me in a second, Mark. (laughs) But sometimes you just don't feel right. You're, 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 you know, it's just like playing a game. Your rhythm's off, and, and, and you're not putting in your best performance. But you're here to save me,
2: which I appreciate. Yes. We all have our off days, Jason. You've got to work through it. Um my comment was going to be about that amazing uh piece in SI, which was, I think, for a lot of relatively new fans of the league, a bit of an eye opener. Oh yeah. The one piece I wanted to focus on um was a piece I think it was Eddie Pope who was talking about how they were the players were tired of being ridiculed by sports center anchors, right? you know, ESPN was a, a broadcaster of the league. And you got the sense that at the time sports center anchors were kind of having MLS highlights forced on them. I remember personally uh Keith Olbermann, when he was still there talking about the burn and the whiz playing and that being the urologist dream game, right? <laughs> um, which was very clever, but the, the, it just got me thinking 20 years on, I think any notion of an MLS highlight actually appearing as a highlight, as in, and tonight in MLS, right, the Sounders right. played the, you know, Timbers and let's go to the highlights just like they would do for probably any other game, really <laughs> still hasn't kind of broken through. You'll see some today's best or you'll see some top 10, you know, our, our amazing my Mike goal versus Benfica was number one in the top 10, but 20 years on, I I think MLS still has a considerable way to go until it's covered like any other major sports league in the national sports media. So I just wanted to kick that around.
1: By the way, the uh, the anecdote that you're talking about, this is uh, in the outtakes that I just mentioned. Eddie Pope saying, uh, I think for a lot of us our first year was frustrating. This is probably uh, anybody and everybody who was involved in the sport. Felt like they were making an investment in the sport on and off the field. A lot of people really wanted to lead to work. We were frustrated with some of the media outlets and reporters, and I remember watching SportsCenter, and the only time they showed MLS was a blooper and own goal. Someone whiffed the ball. There was never a positive moment until maybe the final, but ESPN was not kind to us at the time, and that was frustrating for all the players. A lot of the guys were starting and playing and making our living that way. We're supporting a family. And I think we felt a lot of people just weren't getting it. You'd hear some, yeah. You'd hear some of the games that were on TV, and the guys would talk about, "Oh, look at that shot. That's like they're throwing a curveball in baseball." We got some of that, and that would be frustrating for me. I was like, "Can we get a highlight That's not a low light. Can we get one? I'll take one." And then he talks about playing in DC and being uh, actually spoiled a bit by Brava and the, the screaming he goes, Mark, you're yep. you're an original. You're an MLS original. You go all the way back yep. to the original uh, MetroStars days in '96. And yep. You know, I, I don't go back that far as a fan. I mean, obviously I was alive and I was aware of the league. Uh, but I don't, I wasn't paying attention and I think that it is important. Uh, I, I, I take this as one of my roles, even though I wasn't an original to remind people how far things have come. And, and, and I think stories like this are very important because again, it's, it's the, just the, just the fact that this league is, is an actual professional league and that the teams have training grounds and that they eat appropriate meals now and, you know, I know some some players are not making a ton of money, but there were days, uh, and not that long ago. I mean, remember the Beckham experiment when, you know, guys are having to rush around to to do coaching gigs just to make enough money to pay their rent in whatever town they're living in. So we've taken massive strides, and and I think sometimes people forget that because we're impatient.
2: Yeah, well, of course we are, and right, we're only as good as the the, the tweet or the highlight or today's daily outrage, but. Um, I still think, you know, when you, you think about the proliferation of media and attention and what that's all about, yes, I believe MLS also was trending last night on Twitter during kind of a, frankly, a kind of quiet sports night. Um, but I think for mainstream media acceptance of this league 20 years on, it still really matters what city you live in, right? Yeah. You're in Salt Lake. It's a major league sport. You're in Seattle. Kansas City, it's a major league sport, but a lot of the MLS 1.0 teams, um, you know, especially uh, you know the one I support uh, up in Boston, or you know even down in DC. Frankly, yeah, yeah. twenty years on, uh, do not get treated in those markets as major league teams. And so on the one hand, you have people that are like, oh my God, there's been so much fantastic growth, but when you talk about real mind share and I'm a marketing geek, so excuse me, in the in the sports marketplace, um there's still a real long way to go. Yeah, you know what it's
1: interesting and it seems counterintuitive that the newer teams would have well, I mean Kansas City's been around since the beginning, but they've changed right, yes. they changed names and they built a stadium and that obviously helped them, but some of the newer teams are as you said capturing more of that mindshare and beca- and and have the uh have the the sheen of major league from the very beginning mm-hmm. while the MLS 1.0 teams struggle and and that may be because you know, for a lot of people in New York, it, it hasn't clicked that the Red Bulls now play in this wonderfully new stadium that it's for them. They're still that, that wacky team called the Metro Stars that was bouncing around Giant Stadium back in the day. So I, I, I don't know how long it takes to get rid of that image. I mean, as long as the, as long as DC United plays in RFK, they're going to be sort of, you know, they're going to be relegated to the back of the pack here in the, in, in DC. So I, I don't know. It's, it's a very strange
2: phenomenon. I can't believe you said relegated, Jason. I
1: can't I, believe You it. know, it's it's a good word. They're circling
2: it already. they circling diff- already. It has
1: different meanings. It has different meanings. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, anyway. Mark Fishkin from Seeing Red. Go find it at tobacco.com. Uh, Mark, appreciate the time. Thanks a lot, man. Hey, be well. Yeah, there goes uh, Mark Fishkin. That's a good place to end this show, actually. Let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Again, a truncated episode Of Soccer Morning on Thursday. Apologize for that. But we did have a good talk with Sam Kelly. We did have a good talk with Mark Fishkin just now. And, uh, yeah. So it's all good. And that's really loud. Turn that down. Go read the MLS Origins piece at SI, the long-form piece. Go read this outtakes piece. I'm going to go scan the rest of it from Brian Strauss. And we'll talk to you guys on a Friday. See ya.